0: Pot with Anita S. J. Asmi, Not the End Chronicles Chapter 13 Our discussing Mike brought back the memory of the times when I and Puneet both had to undergo lot of anxiety. Without any selfish motive, careful not to hurt each other, we worked as a team, trying hard to save his relationship with Samantha. Sadly though, Samantha had resolved to reduce their relationship to as miserable a state as she could. The next day, when I and Paris were out for our usual walk, Paris asked, Are you feeling anything unusual, Bhavisa? Your expressions are scared or pained whenever you are holding a palm to your stomach. Tell me if you need to go back and rest. You noticed? I asked surprised. Bhavisa, I promise to take care of you like my sister. And the baby, that is all we have of Puneet Bhaisa. He answered sincerely. And exactly that thought is making me so nervous. I said, ''Don't be nervous, Bhavisa. The baby has Puneet Bhai'sa's blessings. I can feel it,'' he suggested. My mind had drifted back to when Samantha was carrying. I mean, ''Oh, did you know?'' I asked as soon as I realized the slip. Yes, Bhai'sa was very happy when he told me he was to become a father to Samantha's baby. Honestly, Bhavisa, I was not so happy. And it wasn't my prejudice, I swear, but I had sensed the baby was going to give him a lot of pain. I could feel the darkness that was following him. I knew bit by bit I was going to lose my brother. I cannot explain, but you know, I know things that are going to happen at times. He had slowed down as though stressing his intuitive powers to know something. My feet planted with fear, I felt my baby wanting to make sure it was okay. Gouging my fear, he clarified. This time, I see brightness around and I can actually feel this boy in my arms, Bhavisa. He added, So you're telling me it's a boy, hmm? I asked. Yeah, but that didn't come from intuition. I mean… What? How do you know then? I cut in impatiently. Bhavisa, I'll tell you only if you promise not to tell anyone. He said, lowering his gaze. Tell me right away, Paris. Don't make me anxious. I'm already so… I stood still with my clenched fists already knowing the answer, waiting only for the confirmation. Masa sweet-talked the doctor into giving the information, Bhavisa. Please don't panic. He pleaded. Oh my God, and I thought I succeeded in fighting for my baby. And who? Oh. Ah, you would have let them kill my baby fit were a goal, Paras? I am so sure you would have. Like you let them abort Shama Bhabi's daughter. I said, taking a few steps to lean on a tree. No, Bhabi sir, I would not have let them harm your baby. I swear, it is up to you to believe me. He said while he took out the water bottle from the bag he was carrying and offered it to me quietly. It was a silent walk thereon, but I could not silence my mind that eagerly threw scenes after scenes related to Samantha's baby. With a disturbed mind when we came back home that night, I spoke to Shama Bhavi about my insecurities regarding my baby. I asked her how it felt losing the baby. Her case was even worse. Her baby was snatched away from her. How helpless she must have felt, I could only imagine. She told me that she was trained from her childhood into submission so much that she would have not said a word if her life was at risk along with the child. Are you hiding something from me, Bhavisa? I asked. I am. I feel really ashamed of myself when I compare my cowardice to your courage. She said, fidgeting with the end of her sari pallu. We're all built differently, Bhavisa. Your tolerance is because of lack of resources. If you had received education and exposure, you would have been different. It is not your fault. I tried to console her by holding her hands firmly along with her gaze. Sanika and I, we both would be dead if they had made me. She could not complete the horrible sentence as she had begun to sob uncontrollably. It is okay, Bhabisa, if you're not comfortable talking about it. I'm sorry I brought it up, I said. No, Asmi, I want to talk. I want so much to tell you. Now sniffling and sobering down, she continued. When you were sent to US after my abortion, well, uh, that was the second time I was made to abort. When you were in the US, I conceived again. And again, it was a girl. And no... I had covered my ears with my palm, not wanting to listen to the fate of one more helpless girl who was not even given a chance to live. As me, the third time too, they would have. It was Sanika. And the third time too, I would have left them. Her fists were clenched and she was hiding it in her saree pallu, as that must have been her habit. How then did Sanika make it? I asked. Sniffling some more and taking a deep, courageous breath, she continued. I had not told them till the end of 4th month and when the doctor said my life was at risk. You know, I was not getting younger and this time, since the pregnancy had advanced. She was flailing again, trying to control her crying. See, Bhavisa, Sanika was safe because you delayed telling them. Now isn't that courage? Don't cry now. I thought my encouraging words would help, instead they brought down fresh round of tears. This time, thoroughly composing herself, she began. No, Asmi, I did nothing to save Sanika. It was Paras Bhaisa who saved us. He argued with Masa. I think he took Puneet Bhaisa's help too. I don't know how he made them spare our lives, Asmi, but he did. She stopped letting out a long sigh, she relaxed her tensed shoulders as if some weight was taken off of her. What? Paris saved you? Then why didn't he help the earlier pregnancies? I argued on. Because I threatened him with my life, Shama Babi confessed. I could not sleep the entire night, firstly for the guilt gnawing at me for admonishing Paris. Secondly, from the restlessness I felt for the likes of Shama Bhabhi, And thirdly, from the nightmare I suffered recalling Puneet's pitiable state that night when he lost his child. Next day, to make up to Paris, I packed his favorite sweets. He was pleasantly surprised when he opened the box as we settled down comfortably, leaning on the tree that helped us pack rest to our usual rock by the lake. Sorry for yesterday. It was my anxiousness that took over. I don't know. I feel, since Buneet, I sometimes lose control on my emotions. I didn't mean to call me a coward. He asked with a smile on his face, but facing the clear green lake, avoiding looking me into the eye, not wanting to embarrass me. The soft rippling of water was the only sound to break our silence until I was contemplating on whether to confess that knowing the truth from Shama Bhabi had made me change my mind. I decided to be honest with him. I know about you saving Sanika's life, I said. Is that why you're sorry? he asked. The question came as a shock. It left me speechless. But what's important is that I'm sorry, I know you care for other people more than you care for yourself. People don't see in me the natural aggression seen in men around here, and they assume I'm a coward, a joker. He said a little dejectedly. But seriously, you are a joker, no jokes. I insisted and we both laughed. In some time, all laughter vanished when we came back to discussing the lost lives. I was suggesting we should do something to expose the doctors involved in sex detection. He was of the opinion we couldn't do it without disclosing our identity and that meant putting our lives at risk. We decided to think over it carefully, we couldn't disregard the consequences of being identified at this stage of my pregnancy. When I asked him how Puneet had helped during Sanika's time, he said, Masa extracted a promise from Puneet Bhaisa to come down here, and only then she agreed to let Shama bhabhi keep the baby. Oh, now I know why, despite Samantha's cribbing and complaining, he did not budge. He had to try so hard to convince Samantha about the importance of that visit. I still remember that was the beginning of one of their worst fights. She said she had a bad feeling about his going. She was so sure about her premonition, that she cried and begged for Puneet to cancel the flight tickets. She insisted on sending me alone loan for whatever the family emergency was. She said she was sure Puneet wouldn't come back alive. Thumping her chest, she had said, It's something I feel in here. Puneet don't go. And she also warned him she wouldn't want him back. But nothing stopped him. In a way, that premonition of hers came true. She didn't want him back in her life. Paras said in an irritable tone, Touching his wrist softly, I got his attention to what I was recalling. She was in her 7th month. All the checkups and reports were fine. Puneet had always been very caring. She felt strongly insecure about our marriage, especially since Puneet had stopped being nasty to me. Puneet must have taken this tantrum as something similar to those she threw around to make her presence felt, to keep her place in his life. He made sure she was it for him, and there was no way I could replace her, but she made living amicably impossible. She had become very possessive at times, to the point of being oppressive. She would instigate him to hate or hurt me, which when he refused to do, she would challenge his love for her. Since that outburst of his, just before Bhai and Didi's visit, he had never treated me cruelly. This change in him made her angrier. It was perhaps an offshoot of these feelings of insecurity that she planned the family way. That decision left her even more frustrated. Now she felt insecure for the future of her child. Her family did not support her decision. Her sister once had come home and since then Samantha had become more vocal about her demands. Weeping one day, she demanded that Puneet should officially separate from me since Masa was healthy. Oh, Masa's health is a weapon just as useful to her as a crocodile tears. And she knows the perfect cruel use for both. Samantha seems like a perfect match for her. Paris added cynically. Don't talk about your mother like that, Paris." I scolded. But you know how she is, he argued. I know, but you should not say it. I said and he just nodded reluctantly. Do you forget how she had treated you during that visit? Paris asked. I choose to remember Puneet's reaction to it. I said, That's your way of seeing only good, Bhavisa. You don't even blame Samantha for all she did. He said, Any girl in her place would have felt the same, Paris. She was just a victim of circumstances. And to talk about Masa, she has been brought up that way to add to it, no education. That is no excuse to treat her Bindris like that. If Puneet Bhaisa had not come to your rescue that day, I would never have forgiven him for it. He said, almost grumbling to himself. We sat quietly, both lost in our thoughts for a really long time. Paris was talking about one of those days here when Puneet and I had come to save Sanika and Shama Bhabi's life. Disregarding Samantha's pleas, though he had not told me the reason behind this Rajasthan trip then. He had never been communicative with me and I was used to it. I was kneading the dough for some traditional sweets under Masa's supervision. She was making plans for my visiting a gynaecologist and I was trying to avoid it, when she instigated me by calling me names, literally using crude rural bad words to call me ill-omened, in essence meaning I was responsible for my parents' death and that I was not capable of giving her grandchildren. I squeezed my hands into fists and looked at her defiantly, making my pallu slide from over my head. We are going to the doctor tomorrow and that is final, or else I'll get a new Bindri for my son. She said, Why don't you take your son to the doctor instead of forcing marriages on him? I asked quite bluntly, unable to tempt down my anger. As soon as I had said it, I realized it would not be easily forgiven, so to avoid instigating her anymore? I lowered my gaze to continue my work. The very next instant, something hard hit the side of my head. My breath hitched and impulsively my hand flew to my temple. Look at me and say it again. You will fear it often. You, how dare you say such things about my son. And how many times do I have to tell you to keep your head covered? This will make you remember forever. She was shouting at the top of her voice. Both of my hands were in gheemasa. How could I manage the pallu? I asked, clearly frustrated and angry at being treated like this. You are back answering me? She strode toward me, giving me no time to pull myself together. One tight slap on my face and I tried desperately not to crumble. But one more angrier and harder this time came and I fell crashing to the floor. By the time I got to my feet and turned, she was about to hit me with a spatula. I only could close my eyes tight shut to bear the blow, luckily it did not come. Puneet had stopped it by standing like a wall between her and me. Any possible scenarios I could think of were looking awful, Puneet and Masa together against me. Puneet against his Masa, or Masa against Puneet and me. How could I underplay it now? I wondered. How could I stop the inevitable? Only one thing came to my mind. Swallowing my pride, I held his arm from behind and apologized. Sorry, Puneet. I'm sorry. I said and when he turned around to look at me, I couldn't stop crying. Now even more embarrassed with his full attention on me, I wiped my face off using the pallu, realizing only now that there was blood on it. You bleeding? Masa, what is all this? He turned again to her, but not fully. He could see both her and me. She had put aside the spatula by now and was hitting her forehead with her palm. Why even asking for a grandchild is a sin. Do you know what she said? Your wife said it is your fault that she can't bear a child. Puneet, my precious son, how dare she? Stop it, Masab. Stop it. Masab, please just stop right now. You have no right to hate her. You talk to me if you have any complaints. Don't, just don't ever raise your hand on her. Do you hear me? He almost roared at her, making me shudder in fright. Then turning to me, he held me by my forearm and led me out of the kitchen. Making me sit on the windowsill of our room, he looked at me with a crease of concern on his forehead. He got the first aid box and with trembling hands, he bandaged the cut. When he went to the bathroom to wash his hands, he got a wet washcloth for me to wipe my face. I'm really sorry, I said again when without a word he sat down, raking his hair with his fingers. I am sorry Asmi, it is not easy for me to say it but I mean it and I don't even expect you to forgive me. You deserve better than this. He said meeting my gaze and I could only blink in confusion. Suddenly self-conscious, I averted his gaze and he walked out to our balcony for smoking. I knew it was as difficult for him as for me and only with mutual respect and understanding we could sail through this. Somewhere a stronger bond than possessive love I felt was developing between us. Guilt and confusion were clouding my thoughts. Guilt for analyzing what was between us or comparing it to possessive love of those other women in his life, Masa and Samantha. Swiftly discarding the guilt, I told myself it was the possessive love of his mother that I was mostly thinking about and was not comparing directly or indirectly with Samantha. But while I told myself, the thought did cross my mind. What would I do if I was in her place? Would I back out or would I want her to back out? I could totally understand her wanting me to give up my claim, even if it was only on paper. Was I being selfish and holding on to this relationship? I asked myself. The thought about letting my didi know after almost four years that I have been living a lie didn't feel right. I should have confided in her since the beginning. Perhaps she would have come up with some solution. Asmi, Not the End Chronicles by Anita S. J. To Be Continued